0: This week we return to the series Matangi hosted by writer, blogger, and political commentator Morgan Godfrey. This video documentary and podcast series explores the political legacies of six former Māori MPs. Nā reitea rei kia mo mai te rongo.
1: The 2004 foreshore and seabed legislation is considered to be the most grievous treaty breach of the modern era. It strained long standing political relationships. Labour's Māori MPs torn between their party and their people. But one politician claimed the political high ground. She'd entered Parliament in 1996 as a mid ranking Labour list MP. But 18 years later, the Honourable Dame Sariana Turia left as a political matriarch.
2: I belong to four iwi, so Whanganui, Ngā Waira ngāti apa, Taranaki, Mingāti And I'm really proud to have had those iwi as my totu My hour, yeah, I am.
1: I wanted to ask you first just to take us back because I have very clear in my mind this beautiful quote of yours about your identity one foot in the river, one foot in the land, this is who I am. Can you describe that for me and explain it?
2: Well, I guess that I grew up um, knowing my connection to the whenua. And I don't think that I truly understood as a child our connection to the awa. It was only as I grew up that I began to listen to the old people talking and they always talked about the river as being the essence of who we were, that it flowed through our veins. That, more than anything, was about who we were as a people. And... It resonated with me. Um, I was probably a teenager at that time. But um, you kind of always understand your connections to the whenua, but often you don't understand that most important connection, and that is your toto, Mm. the river that flows through your veins.
1: And you were raised by the old people, is that right? Yes,
2: I was. I was was raised by my aunties and my uncle at Pūtiki, about 200 yards from the river, and raised in quite a strict environment, but a loving, very loving environment. And, you know, essentially all our lives we were taught right from wrong. Um, I remember an incident, and I I remember it so well, about stealing. And I remember finding a 10-cent coin in one of the bedrooms as I was helping clean and I took it and I took it to the shop which was just across the road and bought some lollies and the kids and I my cousins and I we were sitting on the veranda eating the lollies and out comes my auntie Y. she said well where did you get the money from and I said I found it she said did you think it was yours did you know it was yours I said no I knew it wasn't mine and she said, so why did you spend it? I thought, my God. And she said, you know, that is stealing. When you knowingly take something, use it, knowing that it's not yours. And I recall running down to my auntie Pai, who lived next door, and telling her that she'd accuse me of being a thief. <laughs> <laughs> she was quite <laughs> horrified, actually. <laughs> but it was a really good lesson, mm. because... I, I remembered that all of my life,
1: one of the stories that really comes through strongly about your auntie Wai, that you 've told is when she went out you know almost every week to Karanga to mm-hmm. her asking for forgiveness because the land had been lost. Was that quite formative for you too
2: Oh look, when it was her it was her grandmother who took them by the hands and took them around the lands after the land had been sold that absolutely devastated me. Mm. To think of our queer calling to the tūpuna to forgive them, that, that definitely resonated very strongly with me. Mm. In
1: 1995, Whanganui became a flashpoint for historical land grievances. Motua Garden was a memorial to the Crown's subjugation of mana whenua. Amid growing discontent, Manafenua decided to repossess Ture, occupying it for 79 days. Turia was at the forefront. Can we jump ahead to Pākaitore, which was a year before you entered Parliament. Did you have a sense at that time when you were at the occupation that you were going to Parliament?
2: No. No, I don't think Parliament was ever in the forefront of my thinking, to be honest. But, um... You know, I'd always been politically active at home. Sister Margarita, one of the nuns from home, we ran decol courses amongst our families up and down the river. And, of course, when Pākaitori came along, I think that that's what drove a lot of our people to come too, Mm. that they'd had that opportunity to learn about ourselves as a people, what had happened to us, and so they came. Mm. And um, I, I found that to be one of the most important times in my life because I saw our rangatahi come to Pākai ture, uh participate in the essence of being Māori, which I don't believe many of them had. Mm. You know, hardly any of them went to the marae, and when they did go to the marae, their job was in the kitchen. They very rarely ever had a say politically, whereas at Pākai ture, uh we encouraged them to speak, to speak up at night. First thing in the morning we had sessions which you know, which engaged them so that we knew that they understood why they were there and what they needed to do to protect each other but more importantly to protect our komatu and kuia.
1: Was it a case then that you got on the labour list a year later by accident or were the people there at Pākaitōre saying, Tariana, you have to do this for us?
2: Oh, definitely our old people and our young ones wanted me to go to Parliament and it did come through, uh, Pākaitori mainly. I must admit, I was surprised that I got so high on the list because I wasn't an active supporter. I think I was 21. Mm.
1: And you stood for Te Tehau three years later?
2: I stood for Te Tehau
1: Auru at least twice.
2: Maybe, yeah, at least twice. Mm. Never got it, never got the seat. And then um, the third time when um, Helen asked me if I was going to stand, I said, no, I'm not going to stand and allow the processes of the party to deny me Mm. because I think they saw me as a risk. So I wasn't ever going to get the support. Of um, in the party of those who were at the head of the party at that time.
1: What was your relationship with Helen Clark like at that point?
2: I, th- I think it was good.
3: Mm.
2: I had huge regard for Helen. Um, I liked her leadership style. And I did believe in my heart that she wanted what was right for us. So it was quite nerve-shattering when it turned mm. out that it wasn't.
1: In 2003, the relationship between Labour and its Māori MPs was put to the test. A landmark decision by the Court of Appeal ruled the definition of Māori land did not exclude the foreshore and seabed. Māori property rights to it had not been extinguished, and the extent of those rights could be tested in the Māori land court. When the Ngāti decision came out of the courts, Did you realise at the time that it would be a historic moment?
2: Well, I certainly knew it was going to become a moment that would define those of us who were tangata when we were in Parliament. Mm, mm, I knew that uh, people would have to be prepared to either stand with our people or stand against them. mm, mm, I wasn't prepared to stand against them.
1: mm, mm. And that's right, and you went home... Two, didn't you? When the decision yep. came, what yep. way am I going to vote on the foreshore and Seabed? You went
2: home. Absolutely, I did. About 300 people turned up mm. to the hui. Um, and th- they were very clear. In my whole electorate, I only got one email that I recall that asked me to please vote with it because they didn't want me to get kicked out. <laughs> Yeah, I only got one email telling me that. The rest of them said Mm. to me, no, you know, we have to stand up for what we believe and that's why you're there. Mm, mm,
1: mm. Mm. It's it's an incredible contrast on one side, Māori almost entirely backing your position, but then on the other side, the Labour Party appearing to come down pretty hard on you. What kind of personal pressure were they putting under you? Was Helen Clark on the phone? Was she sending the, the staff down to talk to you? All of those things.
2: Mm. I, I was so disappointed, I have to say, and my colleagues in Parikura. I'd been close to Parikura for years and years. I was devastated when they decided to stay because I really and truly believed that had we all stood by what we'd decided, which was to go to Labor and say to them, we will step outside of the party but we will go into a coalition with you, which wouldn't accept it. Mm. And pretty sadly, I think a lot of pressure was put on to the others to stay. They were given ministerials. <clears throat> um, yeah, and and I think, too, that we didn't quite have the confidence in ourselves, you know, to make that stand, to, um, to believe that we could come back in mm. as an independent entity. And yet when I think back over that time, I know in my heart that it would have been the beginning of Maori, true Maori politics mm. in this country. Mm. I do believe that.
1: What was it like when the hikoi arrived, over 20,000 people, and there's a beautiful portrait of you at the front <coughs> of that hikoi body, the young, oh the, young, the young kids carrying it forward. How did that feel when you saw that?
2: I was so excited for our people, Mm. that they had faith in themselves, that they knew that this was wrong for them. I was. I was extremely proud of them. Mm. I think that's what I felt more than anything, was a pride in knowing that we can stand up and be counted, and we could.
1: I want to ask about the Māori Party. At that point after the hikoi, were people approaching you to say, we need an independent kaupapa Māori Party?
2: Yep. Yep, they did. And I wasn't sure, really, if I'm being honest about that, because I suppose I knew in the end would be competing against our own. Yeah, so I, did fi- I didn't find it easy.
1: The Māori Party launched in July 2004, and Tudia romped home in the Te Taihauauru by-election. The next year she was joined by three more Māori Party MPs, Dr Peter Sharples, Honi Harawira, and to level. I wanted to ask about 2005 because you returned in the by-election in 2004 with an overwhelming mandate, but you were the sole MP until that 2005 election. I just want to ask what it felt like to have other Māori MPs join you that oh, year. It was amazing. I, I
2: was really thrilled because I, I was incredibly lonely. Mm. You know, um, the people who had been the closest to me were in the Labour caucus and the only person who ever spoke to me was John Tamihiri. He asked me if I was OK. I almost broke down and wept, to be honest, but I so appreciated that he cared enough. You know, that, that those um, ties to the essence of who we were as Māori were more important than sitting wahangu and saying nothing to me. I did find that really hard. But when the others came in, it was... You know, it was really with a lot of jubilation because it wasn't for me about the Māori Party and it never has been about the Māori Party. This has been about a restoration of faith in ourselves as a people.
1: That's how I saw it. Why do you think there was that reluctance on the part of those other Labour Māori MPs to see how you were and to ask?
2: Actually, I'm lying. Mahara did speak to me as well. I think, um, you know, that I actually believe that they all struggled with the decision that they made. And I think with me not being in their caucus and sitting outside of labour, I think it highlighted uh, what they had done to the rest of the country. And I just think that they were incredibly uncomfortable. How could they not be?
1: Did you have a sense that day in 2008 when you were in this room in Mātangi Dea signing that agreement, the Confidence and Supply Agreement with the National Party, did you have a sense of what the next three years would be like at that time? No, not really.
2: Um, I think that I felt thankful that we were trusted to be a coalition partner because that's a really huge trust, is to be able to sign on the dotted line between yourselves and somebody else that you will um, support the way forward. I don't think it was easy for us, because historically there wasn't the belief that um, National would, in fact, do it for us. But um, I have to say that when I looked back over the years, of the most significant policy changes that had happened, they actually had come through a national government. So that was interesting. Kohanga kura. I think that there were a number of things that um, national... Well, national never talked about it, because in the end, their voting public weren't brown. Mm -hmm. So they weren't going to go out there and say, now, we did this for Māori and we did that for Māori, because they would have lost votes. Such as the nature of politics, I think, and the racism that exists in our country, sadly,
1: I wonder if you saw the opposition from Honey Hudaweda coming in. Was he up front with the caucus when he said i 'm straight out opposing this Yes,
2: Honey was always up front um, i have a great love for Honey. Um, we may not have agreed on absolutely everything, but it was more because of the politics of it, not because we disagreed, I don't believe, with each other about the essence of what we were saying. Because there's no doubt that I agreed with a lot of what he said. You know, but in this environment, you know, you, you're virtually in a trading market. And um, he, he didn't like that and he wasn't prepared to compromise. And I actually admired that. Yeah. But politically... I think it was quite uh, damaging to us because it looked as if we were split. Hmm.
1: Was he quite hard to convince initially to come on board with the relationship with the National Party?
2: No, definitely not. I can say that Hone was as keen to work with National as um, as what Matua Whatarangi... When Matua Whatarangi laid the co-papa down, that it didn't matter who the government was... Horney absolutely accepted that because politically he was astute and he knew that if you weren't with the government, well, there's no reason to be here, actually.
1: Do you think it was a case of Horney hadn't seen what that meant or hadn't realised what that meant, the sort of compromises that would have to be made, voting for GST, for example?
2: Oh, deep down, I think he knew all right. Mm. He just wasn't prepared to do it. Mm which, of course, is always hard because, you know, you've got to come in here and be prepared to have one voice when you're in public. Whatever you say behind the closed doors, that's another story, but um, Hone wasn't prepared to compromise, and I, I do respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you think, in the end, that split between the Māori Party and the Mana Party was almost inevitable?
2: No, I didn't. I didn't expect it. I thought that, um, that we were all politically astute, that we understood the game plan, we realised that there would always be things that we would differ on. But I did think that we had enough respect for one another to be tight. Mm. Mm, mm. So I was disappointed, mm. you have to say. Mm.
1: Did it hurt the caucus when he wrote that op-ed in the Sunday Star Times in 2011, criticising the party?
2: By then I think we had come to expect that he would have a differing view and that he would possibly do that. I, I, think, that, I think that probably what, <clears throat> you know, and, and I will say this, I think the time has to come for our people to realise that at some point we have to stand on our own two feet, have faith and trust in our own kaupapa and tikanga to drive us forward, Surely. And I think that that's all that's ever driven me.
1: What you've said today, through your days growing up, through your days on youth employment schemes and getting young Māori into university, it's self-empowerment. Mm. And your career seems to have always centred about empowerment for Māori. Absolutely. When did you first start thinking about final Water in those terms?
2: Well, I realised when I came in here that <clears throat> I didn't need to be Einstein to think about what was important for us, all I had to think about was, what had I grown up with knowing? These people who nurtured and loved me and brought me up to be strong and independent, um, to know what was right and wrong, um, to have self-belief. Once, I was only in here a short time when I realised that that's what was missing, that uh, we were always um, marching to someone else's drumbeat, mm.
1: and it felt wrong. The Māori Party isn't in Parliament anymore. Do you think that next vehicle or that next Kopapa Māori Party will be the Māori Party, or can it be a different vehicle?
2: Well, in the end, my view is that um, we should be strengthening our people, taking a whānau order approach caring for ourselves, so that in a way it doesn't matter who's in Parliament, we need to get on with it. We need to show that we can do this. And that's why I really like the commissioning agencies. I think that they take a very different approach to what the political parties of the time do on significant issues that impact on our people. And that ability to be a decision-maker over your own life, because that's really what I'm talking about. I'm not talking um, about somebody who's telling us how to be and what to do. This is about us. And we need to be brave enough and strong enough uh, to stand up to any system that's in place. So in the health system, you know, we don't need to tolerate that our people die more readily than others. No, no. There's got to be a reason for that. And as a people, we have to start asking the questions. Families need to not be afraid to say to doctors, I am not happy with what's happened here. We've got to be, yeah, we have to be brave and strong and forthright. Otherwise, we're always going to be in the hands of other people.
1: When your mokos come to you and ask, Nan, what's your political legacy? What are you going to say to them?
2: I hope they never ask me that question because I don't think that it is the most important question for us as Wano. I I would like to think that um, my grandchildren will know that it's not for me to be determining the legacy, it's for themselves.
0: Tēnā koe e te kahurangi. Te matahi a pō o ona iwi me ona hapū. Dame Tariana Turia with host Morgan Godfrey. Ma tangirea is available now. Yes, you can binge watch each of the six episodes of this video documentary and podcast series. Head to the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, email tia at rnz.co.nz. Ko te ia, kai te noho ora e koutou hoki mai a te tapu e tū mai nei, mauri tū, mauri
3: How much longer